Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover-Howard. Hi, Patricia. Hello, Bernice. How are you tonight? Oh, Patricia, I am looking forward to hearing about the update to the DNA landscape. Well, everyone, Patricia will monitor the chat room and summarize your comments. Well, a special welcome to all of the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Well, tonight's show will focus on updates to the DNA landscape. Well, have you noticed changes in your DNA test results? Do you know about the new companies that have appeared in the last 12 months, or at least we're talking more about those companies? Has your DNA company uh, recently announced the use of a new chip to analyze your DNA results? Well, Shannon Christmas will discuss the latest happenings in the DNA landscape. Shannon Christmas is an experienced genealogist specializing in genetic, colonial American, and African American genealogy in Virginia and the Carolinas. He serves as a 23andMe Ancestry Ambassador, Administrator of the Captain Thomas Graves of Jamestown Autosomal DNA Project, and as a co-administrator of the Hemings Jefferson Wells Epps Autosomal DNA Project. Shannon is also on the DNA faculty of the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute. So let me give a warm welcome to Shannon Christmas to research at the National Archives and Beyond. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much, Bernice, for having me tonight. Well, I'm I'm really happy to have you. Shannon, it's just like everything is changing, or is it just my imagination? Well, I wouldn't say everything is changing, but quite a few <laughs> things have changed within the past year or so uh, with DNA uh, testing, specifically autosomal DNA testing. Uh, I think we all 
who have been in the genetic genealogy world uh, have gotten to know a few of the companies very well. However, uh, the type of product provided by the various companies, they've all changed a bit. And then, of course, there are some new companies that are now attempting to service this growing market. I think probably the biggest change overall is that autosomal DNA testing, which involves testing of DNA on chromosomes 1 through 22, has grown exponentially. Specifically, Ancestry DNA now has tested over 6 million customers. Uh, And that is reflective of a lot of exponential growth in a relatively short time frame. Uh, It's funny because those of us who have been in this field for a time, for quite some time now, know that it took a while for 23andMe uh, to even get to 1 million customers. Now they are at 2 million. Uh, So it's all just uh, a lot of new people, a lot of new faces coming into this field and wanting to know more and opening up a lot of new opportunities for those of us who want to connect with genetic relatives and learn more about our family history. Uh, but on the other end of that, a lot of that growth is coming from people testing for reasons other than uh, traditional genealogical research. Uh, For the most part, we see that many of these new customers are much more interested in the ethnicity results or the admixture reports that these tests provide, specifically uh, at Ancestry DNA. They uh, are often motivated by what seems to be an increasing number of uh, advertising opportunities on television as well as online. And so as long as that is taking place, I think that we can expect for this growth to continue but that also poses some challenges for those who are attempting to use this technology for genealogical research in that a lot of these customers won't have the family trees that many find useful for understanding relationships. Uh, They won't, in some cases, even have an idea of how to begin with building these family trees or researching their family history. And that requires those of us who know more to be willing to lend a helping hand, explain things, and take on the work of building trees for our matches in some cases. Well, I've also, I see in the chat room right now, someone has mentioned that 
they're also seeing an increased number of adoptees utilizing yeah. the uh, various DNA uh, testing sites because they're searching for uh, family members. And so this may also attribute to the increased number in addition to what you just said about ethnicity, which is definitely uh, a drawing board for many people. And uh, the other you mentioned is the the lack of uh, family trees, which Mm -hmm. does make it difficult because this is a tool. I mean, this is this is definitely a tool, but your mm-hmm. knowledge of your genealogy will help make that tool even more valuable. Absolutely, and it is true that a great deal of the testing that is taking place uh, is, in fact, uh, motivated by adoptees seeking to resolve unknown parenting. Uh, I think, though, that many more people are looking to DNA testing, not necessarily to answer questions, but just out of curiosity about what this is and what it does. Uh, And on another note, we do have a lot of what I call social media mavens who see the ethnicity result as great content for their social media channels uh, to get more engagement on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and other places by taking what I call a molecular selfie and posting it in these places and beginning new conversations that perhaps otherwise would not have taken place. So that, too, is another thread uh, in this growing conversation around genealogical DNA testing. So I guess you're saying that this is like your cyber coffee chat book. Instead of you having the book when people walk in, the coffee table book, you now have it on, on social media to share your your DNA uh, ethnicity results. But there is a question. Mm-hmm. Are there more techniques that clarify that gap between the genealogical tree versus the genetic tree? That's an interesting question. I think that as this technology has grown, there has been an increase in the number of techniques used for filling in the gaps between one's genealogical tree and one's genetic tree, or rather using the genetic data to learn more about one's genealogy. Uh, Because with each new website, there often is a flood of new third-party tools that are released to make using these sites easier. Uh, That seems to be one of the biggest trends right now is that we have a lot of people 
who have a lot of technological know-how and are thinking outside the box about how to use this information, how to reorganize it, uh, how to make this process more efficient. And that's one of the great things about the growth in the number of people testing is also the databases, in a sense, are diversifying in that we have people from many different backgrounds uh, coming to this and being able to use their background to see another way of using this information or presenting it. Yes, you're right. Now, let's uh, look at some of the DNA testing companies and talk about what's new. Let's begin with uh, 23andMe. What's new with 23andMe that we need to be aware of? Yes, 23andMe was the original uh, autosomal genealogical uh, DNA testing site. Uh, many of us can remember getting uh, DNA relatives there for the first time back in 2009 and 2010. Uh, and since then, their database has grown exponentially. Uh, but in terms of the latest changes at 23andMe that genetic genealogists should concern themselves with, I think the most important change has been the change to the uh, GSA chip. The Illumina GSA chip is the new platform for 23andMe. In other words, that's the hardware that 23andMe now uses for reading your DNA and uh, providing you with the reports that you receive, such as the haplogroup reports, the DNA matching, etc. And that's important because the number of chips, I'm sorry, the number of genetic markers on this chip uh, is different than what we saw on their previous chips. And the amount of overlap uh, with the other uh, DNA platforms, such as Ancestry, DNA version 1, version 2, Family Tree DNA, and some of the newer sites is different than what we saw with 23andMe's version 4. So that means for anyone who is testing for the first time with 23andMe now, you, number one, will be on this GSA chip, and there are some limitations as to where you can take your raw DNA data file and upload it. Uh, so that means that if you had planned to take your 23andMe data after testing uh, recently with 23andMe, uh, taking that data and uploading it to Family Tree DNA's Family Finder, that is not an option at this time. 
because the version 5 data is not at this time compatible with the current version of Family Finder. It also means that one cannot transfer 23andMe version 5 data over to GEDmatch unless one is inputting their raw DNA data file into what is known as the GEDmatch Genesis Project, which is essentially an experimental laboratory for looking at ways to make GEDmatch matching more efficient. Now, Genesis is almost like a separate room in a very large house at GEDmatch, meaning that when someone takes their raw DNA data and places it into this Genesis project, you will only see matches that have also uploaded to the Genesis project. You will not see matches that have placed their raw DNA data into the original GEDmatch platform. So that's the main thing, uh, the main change in this DNA landscape from the 23andMe perspective. Uh, now, the other thing that has happened recently is that 23andMe has reinstituted the grand tree. Those of you who have been on 23andMe for a while may have remembered the grand tree from the original 23andMe site. And basically, the grand tree just tracks the amount of DNA you inherited from each of your grandparents who have also tested. Uh, the grand tree also allows you to track certain traits that you inherited from your grandparents. Uh, so that's a nice little feature for those who are interested in tracking traits. Well, have we also seen changes in the way that they report your maternal and paternal uh, results? Yes, we have seen some changes in that arena, specifically with the Y-DNA haplogroups at 23andMe. Uh, there, instead of using the longhand uh, version of a haplogroup name, say, for instance, R1B, 1B, 2A, 1A, 2F star, 23andMe now just says uh, L21. Uh, so they're using an upgraded, uh, but at the same time more efficient mode of communicating haplogroups now. 
They've okay. also provided brand new explanations for the haplogroups, new stories around haplogroups uh, that have gotten some good reviews. Also, now I want to go back for a second because you mentioned the Y-DNA haplogroups, but what about the MT-DNA haplogroups and 23andMe? Yes, the mitochondrial DNA haplogroups are largely the same in terms of the nomenclature uh, that's currently in use over there. However, they have developed uh, a new way of presenting the haplogroup stories uh, for the mitochondrial DNA. Okay. Now, I want to take you back for a minute, back to the 23andMe Grand Trees. I have a question. They would like to know, what is it exactly? What is the Grand Tree? Uh, so the Grand Tree is a display a display of uh, the percentage of DNA that one inherited from each grandparent uh, in the format that resembles a family tree. Uh, they also, as I stated earlier, uh, present information about what traits you inherited from your grandparents. Uh, how much they are responsible for certain uh, physical features, uh, if you will. And, of course, the questions like, why haven't we heard of this? Uh, it's like, how do you stay on top of this new information? Now, that and is where an can you find question. the And where can you find the tree, the grand tree? Shannon? Hello? Yes. Shannon, did you get my question? Yes, I got your question. And uh, to answer that question, I would just say that the information about the Grand Tree was presented on the 23andMe forum. Uh, that's a community forum where 23andMe oftentimes announces changes to the website. Uh, it used to be more popular years ago. I think now more people get information about uh, what's going on, what changes are taking place with the DNA testing uh, through other means, uh, specifically through Facebook groups. Uh, there are also blogs. I especially recommend blogs such as uh, Roberta Estes's DNA Explained, uh, C.C. Moore's blog, Your Genetic Genealogist, Blaine Bettinger's The Genetic Genealogist, and several others. Uh, I always tell people that in genetic genealogy, Google is probably your best friend. Uh, 
Now, the grand tree on 23andMe is a feature that you can access very easily by clicking on one's ancestry reports. And the grand tree feature is listed there. Okay. Okay, now I have an, some questions, and I'm just going to run these through you. Uh, maybe you can answer why per 23andMe uh, someone was not a match to a person they believed to be their cousin. Uh, this person was adopted as an infant, but when they submitted their brothers to ancestry, the two of them did match. Uh, so what can you say? We're talking about one site, 23andMe, and then something on Ancestry that was slightly different. Well, that is a situation that depends on uh, well, the closeness of that relationship. Was it a first cousin? Was it an expected second cousin, third cousin? Beyond second cousin, when you start getting more distant, the likelihood that any two people are going to share DNA declines. So anyone who is a second cousin or closer should definitely share DNA. They should definitely be a match. Beyond that, there are many possibilities of what can happen. Uh, the further away you get from second cousin, the less likely you are to match. Okay. Uh, uh, Luce, the, the questioner is saying the other part was she matched her brother, but not her. Okay. Yes. That too uh, is an interesting question because though two people who are full siblings get DNA from the same source, they have the same parents, they don't get the same pieces of DNA necessarily. It's entirely possible that two full siblings can get into a situation where one sibling matches a fourth cousin once removed, for instance, but the other sibling does not, especially if it's a situation where there's only one DNA segment shared. And I see this all the time. I mean, even in my own DNA with my other two siblings, we are not matching the same people. In fact, I'm so excited that I have them because it's good. They give me other other family members just because we are not matching all of the same people. But Absolutely. it's something for people to understand. Mm-hmm. It's definitely yes, it's important to understand. It's important to test as many close relatives as possible uh, because you never know who is matching them that's not matching you, that has information that you want. 
Right. So that's right. important. Is there anything else you want to say about the changes with 23andMe before we take just a quick break and come back and start talking about um, ancestry? I think that's it for 23andMe right now. Okay. Uh, Well, we're going to just take a little quick break. And I have, instead of playing music for my quick break, I have an announcement. So I'm announcing a four-day pass giveaway. This is a free four-day pass giveaway to Roots Tech 2018. Now, this giveaway is to a lucky listener of this radio show. Now, Roots Tech is from February 28th to March 2nd in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it is the largest genealogy conference in the world. Now, to be eligible for this giveaway, please send me your name and contact information. Tell me why you want to attend Roots Tech 2018. Send me this information before the end of the show tonight. Now, if I have time, I will announce the winner before the close of the show. If not, you will hear about it tomorrow. You should send your message to Janie, G-E-N-I-E, B4, at Verizon.net. Okay, everyone? So I want to just welcome you back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Now, you have been listening to Shannon Christmas, and Shannon just completed a discussion on the updates to 23andMe. So, Shannon, let's go on to what's happening with Ancestry.com. Yes, yes, quite a few things are taking place right now in the world of Ancestry DNA. A lot of change lately. Specifically, Ancestry DNA has made some Uh, rather unique changes to the way that they display the ethnicity estimate. Shannon, it sounds like we're having a little technical difficulties. Can you just respond, tell us again what you just said? Oh, certainly. So Ancestry DNA has changed the presentation of their ethnicity estimate. It is now presented as a DNA story. Uh, Now that means that they have created a timeline 
that looks at what was going on in the communities where your ancestors were uh, as far back as the 1700s, and in some cases, the 1600s. Uh, so instead of actually listing uh, continents, this ethnicity estimate change focuses on specific regions within those continents in a way that it had not done before. Uh, now, in terms of using uh, this particular site, it doesn't really change how you would use this for genealogy, per se. It just uh, changes the way things are presented. Uh, and gives uh, another perspective of how to look at this information. That's really Now, at one time, Shannon, we saw... We saw the genetic communities, and now it looks like we're seeing migrations. Yes, the names have changed such that the genetic communities are now uh, called migrations or places. Uh, I wish that there was more information about what motivated this change, I think that overall it showcases Ancestry DNA's ability to use big data and machine learning to build out timelines and stories, uh, which is a major thrust or major theme for Ancestry DNA and for Ancestry.com overall right now. We've seen this with the DNA circles and the new ancestor discoveries. And now they're doing essentially a drag and drop uh, with how they are now presenting uh, the format for the ethnicity estimate and genetic communities. Uh, so that's one big change. Uh, okay. Now, today, another major change was announced that uh, has been rather controversial. Now, Ancestry DNA will enable customers to receive results while opting out of the DNA matching aspect or the relative matching. So this will accommodate those customers who simply want to see the ethnicity estimate or the DNA story uh, without having to see matches or have any contact with previously unknown relatives. On one level, this change... Uh, opens up the door for individuals to feel more comfortable with the idea of testing their DNA without necessarily uh, dealing with 
some uncomfortable family secrets. On the other hand, it takes away from certain communities that are utilizing ancestry DNA for their own personal research. Uh, for instance, there are many adoptees who have had the opportunity to see these matches uh, and use these matches to identify their biological parents without communicating with the matches at all. Now, if those matches had the choice of opting out of DNA matching and never appeared on the match list for these adoptees, then the opportunity to identify the biological parents would have been a lot slimmer. And that's what many people are concerned about at this point. Any idea when this is going to happen? Uh, from what I have read, this is something that's already been instituted. Uh, so that means that people have the option of taking themselves out of the DNA matching pool while remaining on Ancestry DNA and uh, having the ethnicity estimate at their disposal right now. Okay, we're getting uh, all kinds of reactions, as you can imagine. Uh, uh, you know, there's a response. Why test if, if you don't want to share? Um, and and some people are not testing for relatives. Some people are just testing for et ethnicity. Um, so why couldn't they just do an anonymous, but still mm -hmm. be there? Uh, oh, it's mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, well, there has been a major focus on uh, protecting people's right to keep things private, but. As you mentioned, it seems a little bit illogical to do DNA testing uh, while wanting to not know as much. The idea of DNA testing is to access information, uh, but some information some people don't want to know. Uh, I'm a more curious person, so I want to know as much as possible. But some people, some customers, apparently have concerns. Uh, so naturally, Ancestry DNA and the other test companies want to facilitate uh, having these customers without them necessarily being afraid or concerned or anxious about what will come out of these results. 
And so I sense that is what is driving this decision from ancestry DNA, uh, however unpopular it might be. Right. And, you know, one of the the comments coming out of the chat room right now is that, you know, some people do just want to know their ethnicity. Uh, another is that they think that ancestry has really never marketed the other aspects of their program so that people don't realize, I mean, there's a messaging service where people can communicate with each other and Mm -hmm. that they can talk to relatives. Maybe that has been one of the issues that has uh, moved them to the point where they're telling people you can opt out because people don't want to get the messages and perhaps have complained. We, We will never know. Uh, but this is just uh, providing the listeners with an update of what's coming out. We we don't know what's behind uh, what's going on. Uh, someone, there's a question, does this change? Uh, will they lose their DNA circles as new ancestors mm-hmm. are discovered? What's going to happen with that if they choose to go private? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. That does happen uh, sometimes that a number of people who are members of a DNA circle, and for those who don't know, a DNA circle uh, requires for membership that each member of the DNA circle has the same ancestor appearing in a public tree attached to one's DNA test results. And I have seen cases where a DNA circle or a new ancestor discovery built on top of a DNA circle uh, disappears because a number of members of that DNA circle have, for whatever reason, elected to privatize their family trees, the family trees that allowed them to become members of that DNA circle. So Uh, it's important for people to understand that you can't be in a DNA circle if you do not have a tree. If you do not have a public tree attached to your DNA results. So, yes, that's always been a possibility. Uh, Now, if people who are members of a DNA circle decide to drop out of DNA matching, then that, too, can affect the life of a DNA circle. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that is an excellent question. Well, there's another one, and, you know, they're all good questions. But do you see this privacy situation spilling over to JetMatch? Hmm. Well, I think that each of the DNA test companies has some sort of mechanism in place to protect 
pieces of information that some would consider private. I think that's already in place at JetMatch as well. Uh, certainly, you can be a JetMatch member and not participate in connecting with DNA matches there. You can have it so that you are not a public member of the DNA matching pool, and you can just utilize the uh, admixture reporting tools if that's what you want to do. So that's already there and has been there for some time. Right. So is there anything else about ancestry before we move to family tree DNA? Another issue that has come up at Ancestry DNA is that some have found that the way the pagination of the DNA match list works has changed and that you may no longer see the number of total pages of DNA matches. You now just see what page number you are on. So instead of saying, for instance, one out of 275 pages, you will now just see the number one. Uh, Some people find that that is a big loss, and some are not concerned at all. I guess that really depends on your point of view, but that is a recent change as well. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to family tree DNA. What have we seen uh, recent in family tree DNA? Oh, before I I finish, uh, there's a question about why the new ancestor discovery is still in beta. Oh, what an excellent question. Well, it is in beta because (laughs) Ancestry DNA decided to keep it in beta mode. I, I guess they are still experimenting with it, and perhaps that is what has motivated this extended beta period. Uh, And I sense that most people don't have new ancestor discoveries, and so perhaps it hasn't reached critical mass yet for it to move out of beta. Mm -hmm. But that is an excellent question, and I would love to get a straight answer from someone at Ancestry DNA. Okay, someone else has just said, well, so they can pull it if they think it won't benefit their bottom line. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. So let's go on to family tree DNA. Mm-hmm. So family tree DNA recently uh, rolled out uh, a new third-party extension Uh, The triangulator, which actually does true triangulation 
for one's family tree DNA family finder matches. Uh, now, that's a really great tool for those who are at Family Finder and want to organize their DNA matches such that they can see who all is sharing the same DNA segment uh, because that's indicative of whether uh, they all inherited the same piece of DNA from the same ancestral line. Now, the latest change with that, which I also got wind of today, is that that particular tool is currently on hiatus uh, because the creator and Family Tree DNA are collaborating on how to move forward with it uh, to ensure that, again, information that some customers consider private remains private while allowing others to make good use of this tool for organizing, analyzing, and interpreting genetic data pertaining to their family finder matches. So if you want to uh, use the triangulator, then you need to just hurry up and wait, as they say, uh, stay on top of the latest changes with that while the tool is uh, getting some further refinement. And the, there's a question about this tool. Is this triangulation tool the same as JetMatch? I wouldn't say it is the same as JetMatch. Uh, the triangulator is separate and distinct from JetMatch in that it works solely with Family Finder uh, and Family Tree DNA. Uh, so you have to be logged into Family Tree DNA to utilize it. Uh, so that's the big difference there. But like the triangulation tool at JetMatch, it organizes your matches around shared DNA segments. Okay. Then there's another, um, well, anything else before we, we go any further? Anything else on Family Tree DNA? I think that is pretty much it in terms of big changes with Family Finder at this point. Okay. But as I always say, keep your eyes peeled because there are always new changes and you may not get uh, an advanced announcement. You may not hear about it until it happens. And so when you're telling people, well, to, to basically stay vigilant, pay attention to what's going on, where should they go to pay attention to some of the new things that are happening? Certainly. So, again, Facebook has been great with genetic genealogy groups. Uh, I highly recommend the GEDmatch user group. 
as one place to uh, get new information about not only GEDmatch, but also uh, third-party tools like GEDmatch. Also new information about the DNA test sites. uh, And sometimes it's the first place you want to go to hear about little issues that come up on these sites, little errors and glitches. Uh, But also the International Society of Genetic Genealogy Facebook group is also great. Uh, There are a host of them, a host of Facebook groups that are fantastic uh, reservoirs for this type of information. Right, and we have a comment from one of our listeners saying that he's in a group and it helps. It does help to be a part of uh, of the groups because they are on top of uh, what the latest happenings are within the various DNA companies. So, Shannon, let's move on to some of the newer companies. Uh, let's start with uh, Living DNA. Yes, Living DNA is a unique uh, autosomal DNA product uh, out of England, which actually focuses on taking one's DNA and doing a bit of a deep dive on the admixture results in that if you have uh, ancestry from the British Isles, then you can expect to get very refined admixture reports in that you will actually see down uh, to the county level for your admixture, various counties in England, if you will. Uh, And that can be very informative for those who have discovered that they have some kind of ancestry or perhaps even Irish ancestry and don't know very much about it and want to see as much as they can possibly see. Uh, Living DNA also provides Y-DNA and mitochondrial DNA haplogroups like 23andMe's version 5, Living DNA uh, uses the Illumina GSA chip uh, to do the analysis. Uh, recently, Living DNA announced that they are accepting transfers of raw DNA data from the other autosomal DNA websites. Uh, Living DNA has also uh, reiterated that they plan to do DNA matching, relative matching, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. So that uh, is pretty much it in terms of Living DNA in a nutshell. Right. And so how long has this company been around? So Living DNA has been around for a relatively short time. I actually submitted a sample to Living DNA in 
2016 and received my results at Roots Tech 2017. Uh, and that is uh, as long as it's been around. It's been around since 2016. And do you have any idea how large their database is? Now, that is an excellent question. I don't have uh, those numbers off of the top of my head. It is so new that I can definitely tell you that it doesn't compare to 23andMe or AncestryDNA or even FamilyFinder. I would be very surprised if they had as many uh, participants or customers as Family Finder does. Uh, so I wouldn't expect much right now uh, because they are so new uh, in terms of database size. Okay, then the next uh, company is MyHeritage. What can you say about MyHeritage? Yes, my Heritage DNA is also a fairly new product. Uh, came out in 2016. Uh, it builds on the My Heritage website, which uh, has been around for some time. The My Heritage uh, Family Tree platform has been around for quite a number of years. And this provides an opportunity very similar to Ancestry DNA in the sense that you can connect your DNA with a family tree that already includes records at MyHeritage DNA. Uh, it has a small database, uh, and MyHeritage DNA is a product that is so new that I consider it extremely experimental and will need a lot of refinement uh, before it is really as useful, could be, for genealogical research. Uh, they do provide DNA matches as of right now, and they also provide uh, ethnicity or admixture reporting. Uh, but again, it is a very small database uh, and is very new. You can take your raw DNA data from the other sites and upload it to MyHeritage DNA for free. So if you decide that you want to give MyHeritageDNA a try, I think it's best to test with AncestryDNA first and take your raw DNA data from there and upload it as opposed to testing with MyHeritageDNA directly. Now, Shannon, we have all of these DNA companies. Why mm -hmm. would anyone want to have their DNA and all of these companies? Well, when it comes to 
autosomal DNA testing and genetic genealogy. You want to spread your DNA around. You want to be in as many databases as possible because you never know where that match that has the information that you have been searching for tested. There are many people who have only tested with one company. And one of those people could be that magical match that you need to break down a brick wall that has been so daunting for so many years. So that's why you want to ensure that you are in as many databases as possible. Okay, and now we're starting to get some some other questions, and it's relating specifically to the various testing companies. So this is a question, Shannon, that perhaps you can answer or not answer. But the question is, why doesn't Ancestry DNA give a haplogroup or offer a chromosome browser? Ancestry DNA decided to focus on autosomal DNA uh, and elected to just continue Y-DNA in mitochondrial DNA testing uh, because they saw more of a future in the autosomal DNA testing. And that has worked out well for them from a bottom line perspective. But I think anyone who really thinks that ancestry DNA would uh, do customers a real service in providing Y DNA and or mitochondrial DNA haplogroups ought to say something to ancestry DNA, say something to the powers that be there, make it known what it is that you want and why. And the same goes for the chromosome browser issue. Uh, Many people uh, have mentioned that they have been able to use ancestry DNA uh, to resolve an issue without a chromosome browser. In many cases, those individuals were talking about cases that were unknown parentage cases that involved very recent uh, ruptures in narratives, uh, specifically finding parents or grandparents. The further back you go in terms of genealogical research with DNA, the more likely you are to need a chromosome browser. Uh, Anyone who is attempting to dig into a relationship more distant than, say, third-great-grandparents or, in some cases, even great-great-grandparents 
the likelihood of them needing a chromosome browser is very high. Uh, so that is something, too, that I suggest many Ancestry DNA customers uh, fight for. Uh, I think that as paying customers, you should get what you want within reason. Yes. However, you do have some people who don't even know what a chromosome is, let alone how to look at it. But that's not what we're really talking about because if you're going to take your your DNA analysis to the next level, you want to see where you're matching people. But there's another there's a comment and this is just a comment from someone who's speaking about the need for haplogroup assignments. Uh mm-hmm. they feel that it's especially uh important for African Americans to have a haplogroup assignment, especially mm-hmm. for males. Because mm-hmm. they're trying to just determine, you know, where where is this the origin of the according to this uh, listener, surname situation. And they feel that uh, Uh it would help to have a haplogroup assignment. Mm -hmm. However, that means that those who want the haplogroup, uh, they do have a choice within the various testing companies to take their money and go somewhere else. And one would be Mm -hmm. Family Tree DNA, and you can mm-hmm. then actually test for the Y or the mitochondria, mm-hmm. or you could go to 23andMe. Yes, and I always recommend, again, getting into all of those databases and making the best out of each product as opposed to uh, trying to find the best product. Because at the end of the day, none of these products is perfect. Uh, Some things work really well at one company and not as well as at another company. So getting into all of the databases gives you the opportunity to get the best of all worlds. Right, and it it does. It does give you an opportunity to get the best of all worlds. So, you know, basically uh, you say make make the most out of each product. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very good good way of putting it. Now, I notice a big price war going on right now. So let's talk about the cost. What's happening with the various testing companies and, and what's happening with costs? Uh, well, the holiday season is drawing near, and uh, that's often the time that people look for sales, and I think the companies know that and have started uh, some very competitive sales, uh, some very attractive sales. Uh, I know that 23andMe uh, has started a Thanksgiving family offer where you can purchase a single test, a single Ancestry-only test for $69 and get two or more for $49 each, which is really great. 
considering that uh, the regular price for 23andMe's Ancestry only test is $99. Now it's a situation where you can get two for the price of one almost. Uh, so, yes, that's one thing that's happening. I also see that there have been some price drops with the other companies as well, with kids going for 79 69 and such. Uh, so, yes, I see that the DNA test companies are getting ready for the holiday season in their own little way. <laughs> right. But it's an opportunity for individuals that have been waiting for a price drop to go ahead on and grab a test and to oh, yeah. seek out other other family members that may be interested in participating in those uh, tests. So that's a, a really good idea. Now, someone has a question. Um, but they just want your opinion, your opinion uh-huh. about African ancestry. My opinion of African ancestry is that it is not a genealogical DNA test and that the company tests entirely too few markers on the Y chromosome or even on the mitochondrial DNA to be of much use for anyone. I see it as truly an entertainment uh, test, if you will, uh, but I do not recommend it. Uh, just doesn't provide opportunities for doing genealogical research. Okay. The, uh, another question is, have you utilized the big Y DNA test at Family Tree DNA to include their new update of the of the browser? Mm-hmm. And do you find the big Y DNA at Family Tree DNA to be helpful? I must say I have yet to test the big Y. Uh, I am still doing a lot of fun things with the little Y. (laughs) So I can honestly say that I don't have much of an opinion on the big why for my own research at this time. But I do think that it can be very useful for those who are interested in doing a deeper dive into their Y chromosome DNA and getting to a point where they can uh, take a broader and also a deeper look at the ancestry of their forefathers. So I definitely recommend that people who have that interest uh, in doing that uh, jump right in uh, to the Y-DNA SNP tsunami that continues to flow over the genetic genealogy landscape. Okay. Now we have another question. Kind of a question and just an idea. Okay, so some people tested with 23andMe many, many years ago and paid, let's say, $300. 
for, so they were really in the early, early group. And they're just wondering, would 23andMe, what do you think about 23andMe considering maybe offering a little discount to them so that they could maybe transfer or take their test with the new chip just to see what those results might look like? Hmm. Well, I would recommend uh, sending an email or a tweet or a Facebook post over to 23andMe and see how it goes. Uh, I get the sense that 23andMe at this point uh, is not looking at version 5 as an upgrade opportunity for those who tested earlier, at least not yet, not at this time. Uh, but that's definitely something that one would want to bring up with the company. But have you seen a difference? And I, I guess that would mean you would have to retest the game. But is difference in the results with version 5 versus the previous version? Hmm. Well, there are certain SNPs that were tested on previous versions that are not tested on version 5, and there are SNPs that are tested on version 5 that are uh, not on the other versions. That's the main thing. Uh, The other major difference is that 23andMe's version 5 uh, utilizes what is known as amputation. And imputation involves a chip with a certain set of SNPs uh, and making an educated guess about the SNPs that are not on the chip, per se, that are not being read in your DNA. Uh, And we're still learning more about the results of amputation and what that means for matching. So that, too, is something that will evolve over time. And let Uh, me just clarify. Did you say living DNA is also using that same chip? Yes, living DNA is also using uh, the GSA-5 or the GSA chip. And Illumina, the company that actually manufactures these chips is actually looking to push the GSA platform uh, onto all of the companies if possible. Uh, The Illumina Omnibus chip is being phased out. The Illumina Omnibus chip is the base chip that has historically been used by all of the major autosomal DNA companies. Uh, So that is a change that we will see uh, make a greater impact over time. Okay, and then we have another question. One is about DNA tribes for SNP analysis. What do you think about that? I must 
completely honest about DNA tribes. I've never utilized it. I saw it more as an admixture feature uh, or an admixture test, and I was not testing and do not test primarily for admixture. I am uh, someone who came to genetic genealogy from a lineage research uh, aspect and have focused on that ever since. And, and DNA the tribes other is... Does, oh, I was just going to say that DNA Tribes doesn't really provide opportunities in that arena. Okay. And what about DNA Land? DNA Land is another third-party website that one can take raw DNA data files from the uh, companies and upload for free those DNA data files and get matches that are within that framework and get another opinion on the admixture reports. I have utilized DNA land and that has a smaller database than GEDmatch. Uh, and it's just uh, another place for people to meet up, participate in some projects there, uh, and once again get another opinion on their admixture. Mm-hmm. And then we have a question going back to ancestry. There's some mm-hmm. little numbers next to some of the ethnicities. And when you click on all 150 ethnicities, what are those little numbers? Okay. Little numbers. I'm not so sure. I'm familiar with that. Uh, I am aware of the percentages, uh, but I am currently logged into Ancestry DNA Rights now, and I am not seeing the little numbers beyond the percentages, unless someone is talking about the ranges that have been presented for the ethnicity estimate uh, in that, for instance, uh, if you look at a specific region uh, where they say that you are, for instance, 25% uh, Great Britain and you click on that particular region, you'll see a range that's in the case that I'm referring to right now goes from 9% to 39%. That means that Ancestry DNA ran your DNA a number of times and the range, given the number of times that your DNA was analyzed uh, for Great Britain was, in one case at least, you showed up as 9% British, and then at least one case you showed up as 39% British. So perhaps those are the numbers that... uh, 
Well, there's a, a, I was talking a about. explanation that's be, being given by uh, Ellen, and she says those matches are people who are tested now in those regions that you match up to. So it's not the range, the, the questioner is saying. It's not the range. She's familiar with, with the ranges. This is with the new changes that are mm-hmm. um, on Ancestry right now. So uh, those of you who have tested with Ancestry and you have looked at the, the changes and you have a, another explanation of what that may be, uh, please share that. Uh, the the other question is, what do you think about the communities and the labeling, and how does that work? Mm-hmm. They're back to the, the genetic communities. Yes, the genetic communities, uh, now known as migrations, and in some cases places, uh, generally show you uh, populations that your ancestors were members of based on uh, your DNA matches and the network analysis that Ancestry DNA has done behind the scenes. Uh, So in terms of the labeling, I do see that that has changed. For instance, I have one genetic community uh, which was originally called uh, African Americans of uh, Southeastern Virginia and Eastern North Carolina. Now, under the new setup, that genetic community is referred to as a migration named North Carolina African Americans. Uh, I take issue with that change in that I think it is less specific, Uh, but I don't think that the labeling really means much to me personally in that I came here to get connected to matches compare family trees and extend family trees. So the genetic communities really did not tell me anything that I didn't already know because I am a seasoned genealogical researcher who already knew that my family's been based in southeastern Virginia and eastern North Carolina for hundreds of years. And this just reflected that. I think that genetic communities, migrations, places. It's a great feature for people who are just starting out with genealogy. The more you know about your family history, the less genetic communities, migrations, places provides you in terms of new information. That's my opinion. Okay. Well, Shannon, we are getting close to the end of the show, and I would like to just thank you so much for for coming on and sharing with us the the updates. 
And if you have any parting words or any additional information you would like to share with us before we uh, close out tonight? I would just say, first of all, thank you, Bernice, for having me tonight again. And to the listeners, I would just recommend that you keep your wits about you and stay on top of things. But don't feel overwhelmed by all of these changes. It is just the nature of technology, the nature of science, the nature of society. Uh, We are in a constant evolution, uh, and each time we face these new changes, we instantly are reminded that we have to be ready to adapt uh, as researchers and remaining flexible will get you very far with this. Remaining flexible. Right. And also stand on top of your tree. I mean, people do have gaps in their tree. But one of Uh the things that I have discovered with DNA is that sometimes you will be very, very surprised with the people that match you if you really have a good tree. And so with that, I just want to thank you very much. There are good videos out there for people to to learn. There are webinars. Uh, of course, there's, there's a book out, the, the Family Tree Guide to DNA Tested in Genetic Genealogy by Blaine Bettinger. And then there's another book, Genetic Genealogy in Practice with Blaine Bettinger and Debbie Parker Wayne. And hopefully there will be other books coming out. Pay attention to what's going on with the various bloggers. They're staying on top of it. So that's an opportunity for you to also read those blogs, join those Facebook groups, and uh, just continue to uh, expand your knowledge as much as possible. And also, everyone, I just want you all to know that Midwest African American Genealogy Institute is next summer. Uh, We will have two DNA courses. We will have one basic for the very, very newbies, and then we will have a little intermediate course of which we'll tell people more about in our marketing materials. So I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I do have a winner of the Roots Tech giveaway, and it's Jackie Tillman. And, Jackie, uh, thank you so much for writing a long essay on why you wanted, want to attend Roots Tech. I think that you will find that Roots Tech will meet your needs. And for all others that did send me an email, I want you to know that there are other bloggers out there. They do have contests going on. And so please pay attention to what's being posted on Facebook so that you could also uh, enter those contests. So once again, thank you so much, Shannon, for updating us on the latest on DNA tonight. And please remember, everyone, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you 
through oral history, family records, research at the National Archives and beyond, and, hey, you'll get a clue through your DNA. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and Beyond and the AfroGenius Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday and also watch for the Black Progen Live with host Nicosil Smith. Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander, with co-host Patricia Glover-Howard, and we look forward to you joining us next week. Good night, everyone. Good night, Shannon. Good night. Thanks so much, Bernice. Thank you.